0: Who knew in the moment? The premise of the show is as we're living our lives, very rarely do we realize the magnitude of a moment while it's happening. However, in hindsight, we can look back and see all the pivotal moments that have led to where we're at. Enjoy as we interview amazing people with fascinating stories, sharing their pivotal moments. Our podcast is now available to be streamed on Amazon Music. Go check it out. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I am honored to have Bill Ottman with me. Bill is the founder of Minds, which is a decentralized, um, really, community that he's creating in the social media platform. And what I think you're going to find throughout his story is when you're passionate about a topic, the, the how doesn't matter. It's the why that does. And so, Bill, thanks so much for being on today.
1: Hey, hey, thanks for having
0: me. You betcha. So to just kick off your story, Bill, tell us a little bit about growing up and you know some of the things that were of interest to you as as a young boy.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in Norwalk, Connecticut, on the beach, and you know what was important to me. I you know I was into kind of normal kid stuff. I you know like superheroes. Uh, I played sports, hockey, and lacrosse. Um, Definitely, you know, heavy imagination was way. I'm not into gaming at all now, but I used to be completely obsessed with you know standard stuff, Mario, um, Sega, all the systems, all the games, <laughs> NHL. You know, NHL was huge. Yeah. Um, what was it like NHL ninety? 90- you know two or whatever <laughs> well th- did you
0: ever have the 64 with wayne gretzky 3d hockey
1: oh yeah yeah that First, that was a
0: revolutionary
1: <laughs> yeah yeah those those systems were just so brilliant and now sometimes like I, I i'm a musician so i'll get these recommendations on you know various apps but of like these amazing musicians doing like the mario theme and the zelda theme and like the it's very underrated back then but i think now people are starting to appreciate like wow the the composition of those of those games was really just like next level and that's why its the impact has been has been so monstrous i mean if you think about like the nintendo entrepreneurs like like what a crazy company to have started like i would love to talk to the founders of nintendo
0: yes Yeah. I mean, revolutionary, right?
1: Completely. Uh,
0: So as you get older, uh, not unlike many, you decide, hey, I I should probably attend college. And so you picked the University of Vermont. Talk a little bit about, you know, why you picked to go to college and what some of the interests were at that point for you.
1: You know, I, UVM is beautiful. It's in Burlington, Vermont. Um, I don't know if you've been to Burlington, but it's amazing it's like overlooking lake champlain it's just this hillside overlooking the lake and then mountains all in the background and just amazing music scene amazing you know it's a really good school i studied english and music yeah. um i happen to have been a huge fish fan so i'm not going to say that that didn't influence <laughs> the decision at all they, did, they they did go there but That's definitely not the only reason. Um, And yeah, I kind of just intuitively felt that that's where I wanted to be and ended up being the right call. I mean, I loved it.
0: That's amazing. So while you're there, you know, are there any careers that are starting to stand out to you as things you want to be going into? Or are you still just like, yeah, you know, once I graduate, I'll I'll figure something out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think about career a little bit probably gearing more towards being like a writer or a professor you know go maybe going deeper into a phd or something i you know really enjoyed writing and reading and heavily influenced by a lot of like the beat poets and you know like kerouac and ginsburg and um that whole crowd electric kool-aid acid test tom wolf and I was just pretty mesmerized by, by that whole scene and was very kind of into the counterculture. I was always involved in protests at, at UVM, you know, I was leading tent cities all around campus. Like we successfully got the university to divest from weapons manufacturers. Wow. Yeah. Like most university portfolios are actually, you know, involved in like, you know, standard kind of weapons companies oil companies and so our whole point was you know uvm you're trying to spit this like kind of green image meanwhile you're invested in like mcdonald's and walmart like what are you doing yeah and it actually it worked and so we held before mines existed we like we would hold these events called gathering of the Minds, which was kind of like a hybrid forum slash festival and we we would do those and you know around the country and we did them at UVM and like we did one related to this we brought in professors teachers um student government and like held these huge forums and filmed them and it was really it was really cool and so but we so we were much more focused on like live physical stuff back then or I was um at least and then just eventually, I, I organized music festivals too. Um, a gathering of the vibes music festival in Connecticut, which was like infamous, biggest one in Connecticut. You know, like thirty thousand people for the weekend. Yeah, jamming to like you know James Brown, you know Marley's like funk rock blues, all that, that stuff, and it was amazing. And um, actually, the owner of that, Ken Ken Hayes. We just helped co produced a recent event that we did at the Beacon Theater in New York City called um, the Minds Festival of Ideas. And so that was really cool to work with him again. And, but I like, you know, ultimately, Minds and Minds.com emerged out of this similar spirit, like working on dialogue, having hard conversations, and getting stuff done. And, you know, doing things in a more ethical, open, transparent way. So it's definitely connected. Yeah.
0: Now to rewind into that college experience and, you know, leading different, I guess, adventures in regards to trying to persuade or maybe change the way things have been done. uh, You're obviously going to ruffle feathers any time you do that. Uh, but you also need to have people that are on mission with you. So talk a little bit about being willing to ruffle feathers, um, you know, to stand up for what you think is right or what you think is morally right. And then also being able to build a a following because as one person, you need to start having adoption by people.
1: Yeah. Um, adoption, wait, sorry. Can you repeat that adoption by people?
0: Yeah, so you know, just talking about being a leader, but then also how to f- have people adopt what idea you're trying to go with, right? As one person, right. you can lead it, but eventually, you need people to follow and be, you know, supporting that idea with you.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure, um, and I think that getting people to respond to stuff and or join a community or um you know whether it's using an app or even just adopting any idea in general i i've i've learned a lot about that over the years and i i where i'm at now is much more like a a, a softer touch than i used to be um <laughs> you know you definitely can't force people into like repeated behavior patterns you can kind of you can you can try, but usually it's not gonna stick. And because people need to make their own decisions and come to come to the information in their own way and own time. So, you know, we have absolutely noticed our thesis for, you know, basically open source, privacy, decentralization, um, you know, monetization for creators, Like, all of our initial free speech, all of our initial ideas have completely, like, blown up. And now there's, you know, in a sense, like, honestly, like, at the center of a lot of the global conversation, like, you know, every day you're seeing headlines about censorship or, you know, big tech scandals and, um, you know, the economy like and and like the creator co- economy even specifically has become one of the you know, hottest startup categories. So that's been pretty satisfying. Tons of competition has emerged, and that's also great. So, um, yeah, I think that it's hard, though. I mean, product development is is so hard and 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 you think like you know when you're getting started and and raising money initially or, Putting your idea together, you're like, oh, if I only had, you know, you have some like relatively small amount of money in mind. You're like, if I only had that, like I could easily build something that would go global and, yeah. and, you know, and then you start to grow and you see all of this like technical debt that you had and like things that you weren't doing the right way. You do like, I do think that big tech companies are insanely bloated, but you definitely start to see how real product lifestyles cycles work and why it takes so many people to, to do things at scale.
0: Yeah, no, you, that that's a phenomenal point. Now talk about, so you, you were doing this in college and you kind of have this idea of minds, but then in 2015 is really when the online platform takes off, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was when we first launched the mobile pl- the mobile app. So, talk
0: about that. Is that was that you and a group of people that had the same vision? How did you guys come together, and how did you
1: decide to launch at that point? Um, I mean, it was really just when the app was ready. Um, yeah. it took a it took a long time to plan it out and build it. So, you know, we launched it as soon as we could. Yeah. Now you talked about
0: um, you know the idea of freedom of speech and differing ideas, and I thought you had a really good comment um, when you were on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and you had made the statement that you know completely taking a person's opinion out of the conversation um, as much or as little as you disagree with it isn't necessarily the way to have open dialogue about opinions. So talk a little bit about that idea of freedom of speech, not necessarily like hating on people, but willing to say, hey, there's two different sides, and we can both, you know, have an educated conversation about those.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that we're living in a world where there's a lot of tribalism, people are very easily triggered by, by ideas that they disagree with. And, you know, it's sort of understandable, like there's a lot of bad ideas out there. And so it's, yeah, it's easy to let that affect you in a deep way. And I think that people have sort of forgotten why um, why it's so important to protect people's voices that you disagree with. And that was really the original spirit of how this country came up and, you know, throughout the 60s. And, you know, traditionally, like organizations like the ACLU and whatnot have always like, understood that you you know, you defend like neo Nazis or KKK members in court to speak because, like, freedom of speech is is like the foundation of of free society. Um, you know, you shut down anyone's voice, and then uh, literally anybody else's voice can and most likely will get shut down. So you need that universal freedom, regardless. You know, as long as it's not illegal or like threatening direct violence and and whatnot then, you know, you, you, you got to let it go. Um, and now, you know, people have all of these excuses, whether it's, you know, you know, misinformation, propaganda, what whatever it is, hate speech. And like, these are all, these are problems. I'm not, yes. I'm not, you know, obviously, you know, there's racists. Yeah. Yep. We've- <laughs> there have been racists for a long time. Um, but that it, it's never it's never it's not how you deal with them, actually. And like what the research shows, actually, we wrote a paper called the Censorship Effect, uh, co-authored by Daryl Davis, a number of PhDs um, at Culture Pulse. And yeah. I don't know if you saw that at all, but we basically, I mean, so Daryl is famous for helping hundreds of members of the KKK leave the KKK. Yeah. And he's, he's black. He talks to them, you know, over time, you know, people just figure it out because he's, you know, he doesn't go in there being like, Oh, like you're wrong. Like he, he just literally sits down and listens to them. Yeah. Eventually they start to see the humanity. There was a study that came out recently in January um, about empathy. And it was actually a study that used empathy as a counter speech method uh, to prevent um xenophobia on social networks Mm. and the basically what they did in the study was they had these interventionists who kind of went on i think it was twitter um they went on twitter and they employed three different tactics one was empathy one was comedy and one was kind of like pushing them to believe something else and they found pretty overwhelmingly that empathy worked the best in terms of having an impact on the racists so Mm. Which completely backs up our research and what Daryl's done, And so you know our whole strategy is that you you know you can't you can't um, polarize the internet like splitting right now, what's happening is the internet's getting split apart between big tech and like alternative platforms, and that's just that's a horrible idea. it's just, it's just it's it's going to cause deeper radicalization and division,
0: yeah. So I want to, you know, talk a little bit about a comment you made there, and that was, you know, Daryl had had success, um, you know, talking to people that are part of the KKK and ha- helping them see, uh, you know, m- maybe the other side of the conversation when he was human and he was present. You know, how do you feel like that impact happens now as we move to a v- more virtual uh, world? You know, losing the human touch, right? That face to face interaction um how do you see that changing or how could somebody you know implement that empathy trade that you're talking about from the paper
1: mm. yeah i mean you know a fair amount of daryl's stuff has been done face to face but actually you know a huge percentage of it is done digitally mm. um so you know he has all he, he has many ongoing conversations with um with these with these people whether it's an email messaging apps on minds and yeah so it's already been a part of a strategy um so it is. I, I think that undoubtedly face to face is gonna probably be uh, faster, but yeah. you never know. I mean, yeah. honestly, it, it really depends on the individual situation, who you're dealing with, where they're at. Um, I mean, people like people are people are crazy. People fall <laughs> in love on online. People, you know, people meet on a on a website and you know hop on a video call. People. There's people who like, I wouldn't even be surprised if they got married and they had never physically met. Like, honestly, yeah. like, like the world is insane. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's all of this, this variation in terms of relationships. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real thing. So yeah, digital is real. Um, I think that digital is, you know, you have physical and digital environments, but both are definitely the real world. And I think that a lot of people call the internet, you know, not real life, Mm. which, you know, fair enough. It's, it's, it's different and it's, it's probably a, a little bit more shallow, but you cannot undermine a lot of people's experiences. I mean, for, for some people, you know, they've had their most intimate, you know, impactful in experiences online. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily float my boat. And it's probably, you know, not most people's goal, but it is what it is.
0: Yes. Now, something that I'd be curious to hear your perspective on is, you know, as you've been, I would say bucking against the trend, I think a realization that you can have is there are people that are behind me and supporting me. They just didn't know who was going to lead the movement. So once they heard about it, they were ready to jump on board. There are other people that no matter how much time I spend with them, I just may never convert them into thinking the way I do. And then the battleground, if you will, is the people in between, right, that are neither all the way with you or all the way against you. They're just looking for, you know, an argument that could support or that could persuade them into a direction. So, you know, talk about that just in general for anyone that's maybe, you know, trying to gain momentum in an idea or a business or a product that they're using and knowing, hey, just because one or two people is adamantly against what you're trying to do, it doesn't mean that everyone is that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that the ultimate test with whatever you're trying to push, you know, let's take an app for, for instance, or a website that you have. Yeah. Um, you know, do you use it? Mm. And like, I think that there's a lot of, entrepreneurs who have products that they don't even use themselves. So, you know, first of all, that I, I think it's most powerful and, you know, kind of provides the most drive to build something that you want to use yourself. I'm not saying that you have to do that. A lot of people come up with great product ideas for stuff that isn't something, you know, maybe it's like a business, a business solution for a business that they don't, (laughs) that, you know, they don't do and, and, and this, that, that can work. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like for me, I judge the health of what we have by like my eagerness to Mm. use it. And you really need to look at yourself and, you know, think about human nature a lot. Not just like what you think theoretically makes sense, but what you from your own experience know makes sense. And yeah, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Now, as you're
0: developing, you know, Minds.com and the app and you're starting to really launch this. You're up against big competition. Granted, it's 2015. So, you know, maybe Instagram isn't as big as it is now or Twitter's not as big as it is now. But I mean, Facebook is still a behemoth. So talk about entering into that market and, you know, how you're helping people realize that you do want to use our app and there is value in using our app.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, those, these, these companies, Big Tech is so big. They're yeah. not, you know, it's not really like big tech. It's like huge tech. <laughs> they're, they're ridiculously huge. And they're so deeply embedded in society. Um, it's, it's very different than, you know, it was for them. You know, when they were coming onto the scene and, you know, you see pictures of like the Google or, you know, Facebook or Twitter homepage from their first versions. And it's so funny and it's, yeah. you know, because it's so just bad Um, but that's okay that's like that's a a sign of the times and but the thing is that there wasn't anything you know they were the first social networks on the scene there was nothing else like it so they didn't have to disrupt social networks social networks were the thing that didn't exist so people were just like whoa a social network now it's like you know social networking engines are in most apps yeah. You know, okay. if if your app doesn't have one, it's like, well, why? I mean, cuz you, you know, the arch- architecture-wise it's kind of what you want. I mean, you want like a user system, you probably want like a communication system. You 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 might want those, you know, users of your app to interact. I mean, it's a social network. Yep. So, you know, they're all they're all going to vary in in certain ways, but um yeah so for us it is much harder and we we, you know we haven't we're we're not on their level yet i mean we're 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 honestly a drop in the bucket um we've got like six million users but you know that is literally like i mean facebook has like two or three billion right it's not it's, it's it's a scale that's really hard to comprehend so we we need to do things like very differently in order to differentiate. And again, I think that a lot of it just has to do with in, inverting the model and putting the users first. You know, user ownership is just really where things are going. There's going to be much more sovereign, decentralized systems. And, but the, you know, the, the thing is that this is all absolutely novel technology. It's all brand new. I mean, you, you're just starting to see like Twitter and Facebook get into like NFTs, which is, is, it is an important sign that they're paying attention to the space and they know where it's going. So, yeah, I mean, we're not there yet. So I, I can't actually claim to have the answers, quite frankly. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. Well, so one thing that kind of reverberates through my mind is there was a documentary I watched on social social media and it talked about how adoption um, by a new user, it was like if within the first, I think it was the first week, they got like eight new friends or eight new follows, whatever it was, they would be significantly higher percentage likely to continue to check in and want to keep using it whereas if they didn't get to this eight, random eight number it, it just mm-hmm. wasn't uh, wasn't adopted so for you guys as you're launching that you know what were you guys trying to do to really encourage people to try a new platform because it's one thing if i log on to Facebook and I've got 300 friends that are already using it, right? And now I just need to find an atom. Whereas if maybe I'm one of the first people in my friend group and I'm you know, now joining a network where I don't know as many folks.
1: Yeah, so we have a system, we have like a whole reward system and token system where basically you earn tokens for your contributions and your engagement. And then one token is worth a thousand views, so you can use the tokens that you earn to boost your content to more mm. people. And actually, you know, a, a, a large number of users have have told us that they actually they get better reach on Minds than they do on Facebook and Twitter, mm. um, which is is a cool thing because it it really shows that you know you don't need to have a billion users in order to be extremely successful and you know for 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 a normal person who uses social media it's actually sort of irrelevant if an app has a billion users like what what more so matters is who do you have access to who can yeah. you reach and if and if their algorithms aren't going to let you reach them then It is completely irrelevant if they even have the users. So the stickiest thing for us, I think, the boost feature and the tokens, the rewards, um, but particularly the boost, where you can kind of boost your content, get engagement on it, connect with people, get subscribers, build up a following. You know that that's all. Yeah, that and that gets into the human nature stuff because that is what people want. They want engagement. They want they want their ideas to be heard. They want to you know learn about new things themselves so yeah the make things like making money being seen um these are these are like primal <laughs> things i mean th- th- right. this, this is what th- this is how all of civilization has kind of been driven
0: absolutely yeah i mean tony robbins has talked about it for years and before him many people right we have a we have an inherent desire to have a community to have something that we fit into, right? Right now, for you in 2018, um, you guys end up having a nice uh fundraising round and talk a little bit about the business side of things, right? So, you launch this app, you're super excited, but You also need revenue to come in to keep keep things going and to be able to grow and expand it. And so talk about the idea to raise funds and what that was looking like for you guys on the business side.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. We've done two rounds. We did a series a with Medici ventures, which is a blockchain focused group. And then we did series B with FUTO, um, which is a tech freedom organization out of Austin. And, you know, the cool thing about both, but particularly Futo, is that they're definitely mission-driven groups. Um, Futo is very focused on open-source, sovereign technology, putting power back into people's hands. In you know, in terms of their computers, um, and so that's huge. You know, it's not like we have some venture partner that is just like looking for the the biggest exit you know obviously we want to have we want to be the most successful business possible and make the most money for everybody um but you know we're not going to sell out to Facebook and there would be there would be certain types of partners that would obviously want that Right. There's only there, there's actually only so many big companies that are even out there making acquisitions, like big acquisitions. Yeah. So, um, which is a huge problem um, in in the tech space in general. It's just like you you see that um, that control of the market just just getting dominated. So. You know, it's really hard. We also did an equity crowdfunding round on WeFunder. Okay. okay. Which was, that was our first round um, after. Okay. Well, we did friends and family for a couple of years and then we did WeFunder. And so we raised a million bucks in like a week or two. That's which awesome. It was huge. And that was like 1,500 of our users invent invested. You know, we had investments anywhere from like a hundred bucks to a hundred thousand. Wow. And that was a pretty magical experience. I mean, we funders a great platform. Um, they've, the, the friction in like traditional f- venture r- raises is intense. Um, negotiations are brutal. You know, you're pitching all of these investors and it's the the power dynamic is really brutal. Uh, you know, it, It sucks. And every founder knows that raising money is brutal. The cool thing about WeFunder and crowdfunding platforms, equity crowdfunding platforms in general, there's others like StartEngine. And um, there's a bunch, there's, there's a whole space. It's, it's, it's a, it's a rapidly growing space. Um, Is that, you know, the pitch is the pitch and people either Connect their bank account and invest, or they don't. So like yep. when you show when you show up to an investor meeting when you're crowdfunding, it's very much like this is what it is, and you can you know hop on board or not. Yep. It's not like oh here's our valuation, you know this is what we want, and then there's all this back and forth endlessly. It's like it, it it's a yes or a no, and if it's a yes, you know it's done in that day. Yep so you know that is so powerful um i i anyone who has a big community i mean it's really important to have a community to be able to successfully do it mm. but like you know anyone out there who's trying to start i, I have a, a buddy who who started a, a i helped him start a company on uh through WeFunder. it's called digifox which is a Finance app and he he has like a really big YouTube following is uh Data Dash on YouTube. He's he does like crypto uh analysis. And you know, he has a really big following. And so he like harnessed his following and you know raised a bunch of money on WeFunder and he he loved the experience. And so, you know, it's not to say you can't do it without a community, but even if you don't have a community, the way to be successful in crowdfunding is to find someone with the community that you can partner with. So if you have a company go find somebody with a huge YouTube or social media following and partner with them. And, you know, they're, cause y- you need that distribution for your product anyway. So, so, so having, having creators behind you is, is absolutely essential, even if you don't do crowdfunding, quite frankly. So um, yeah, but look, I mean, the, and then the recent round was like amazing, you know, Aaron um, saw me on, I was on TimCast IRL, which is a pretty big, um, YouTube show, uh, news and stuff. And he saw me on there and we connected and here we are. I love it. Now, as you've been growing, you know,
0: there's this aspect of we're trying to do what's right, but there's also an aspect that it's still a business. It does need to generate revenue. How have you balanced, you know, Hey, we're doing what's right. We're doing what we want for the community. And at the same time, you know the people that have invested in us see where this could lead, and you know the possible, you know business growth, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so we have a few revenue products. Um, we've got Minds Plus, which is a membership where you get, you know, it's it's a recurring membership. You get access to bonus features, and we we run a rev share program through there, so. There is this exclusive feed of content which only Minds plus users have access to, but they also have the exclusive ability to post content into that feed mm. and if their content gains you know is popular in my in my in the Minds plus library, then they get a payout at the end of the month. so it's pretty cool. I think it, it's it's um it's been pretty successful i mean we've we've had a couple thousand members and that is starting to gain momentum we also have like a whole array of uh, crypto tools and um we're going to be launching a new monetization feature which you know maybe we can uh, maybe we can work together on the launch I'll, I'll 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 let you know about it so so we can give you a first look um but basically it's, it's, it's around the idea of, of getting creators paid for, for creating content. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we take a fee on volume going through the network. And so that's another, another stream. And yeah, we're just trying to find product market fit in, in these different options. And, you know, it's not easy, but yeah. we're making some progress and yeah, we'll get there.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm sure there's this tough balance of kind of like you were mentioning earlier, this selling out versus continue to grow what what you're believing in, right? Because there are plenty of uh, investors that just want to invest into something to sell it to Facebook or just sell it to someone else. But there's probably a lot of creators that are like, eh, I'm not really that passionate about the project. Maybe I just want to get it to a big enough spot where I could sell it and get my big exit you know, talk about that for you and your team and really the passion behind it versus just the dollar amount. Not that the dollar amount is not important.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's very foreign to me, this whole idea of, you know, building something purely for, for those intentions. It's just not, you know, I'm not saying it's not, it's something I would never do, but it's, you know, in terms of what I'm going to dedicate my life to, um, you know yeah that's not really in my universe doing doing things like that but i can't say that you know it all it all depends on your on your story like if you're out of school and you know you come across an opportunity it may not be your passion it may not even be something you necessarily agree with but you know you survive off of doing it and you know it it brings it it Makes you independent, you know, yeah. and, and, and you kind of go down that road. And I, I can't discount that. Like, I was watching for like the 10th time, uh, the Big Short the other day. Yeah. And like, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And, you know, just this whole idea of, you know, betting against the market and, you know, even just like short selling in general is like just an interesting phenomenon and how you can make billions of dollars betting on, you know, the collapse of the housing market where, and even, you know, to a certain degree, what happens with the short momentum is that, you know, sometimes short markets can actually cause collapses because, you know, you, you know, then all the investors are actually pulling capital in that direction, which does influence markets. I don't really think that that was the case with the 2008 collapse. Like yeah. it was happening. It was happening no matter what. So, okay. you know, I don't, I don't blame them. Um, I think I, I would love to meet them all, to be honest, like people like Michael Burry. And um, I don't know the guy that Steve Carell played, but it's just such an awesome story.
0: Yes. Now I, I think about this in any, you know, business owner entrepreneurs world, you know, you think of, Gosh, if if we only we could have 100,000 users, like how cool would 100,000 be? And then you get to the first million. Now you're at 6 million. Talk about some of those, you know, moments in the business where you started to feel like, all right, we're gaining momentum. And we really, you know, have an idea that's growing in influence.
1: It was pretty much right away after we launched the mobile app, like, which I think is a rare situation. Yeah. we, we saw like half a million users within like the first month, wow. which, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's pretty rare. Like some, some big uh, I, I think like we got a bunch of attention because some, some anonymous accounts kind of liked what we were doing with privacy. And then that picked up a lot of steam in the press. And so we had all these people, you know, that was during the whole Snowden revelation yeah. time. So like a lot of people were thinking about privacy and, and it was, it was euphoric. I mean, getting all these people and they they were using the point system and it was just like, it was wild. And so, but, but it was intentional also. I mean, that, that is what we were going after. It's what we wanted to happen. And, and it did. And we did have some, a pretty big social following going into that as well. So, you know, I think that if you, again, if you like test test the idea on yourself, and if it works on you, and you're a a savvy kind of person of you know in in that realm, like it should work. Um, it does, it, it, but it, a lot of times it doesn't. But it's really hard to build build good apps. I mean. It's, it's, get, it's getting better. It's getting easier for developers, but keeping up with these behemoth companies is like is really brutal. Not to mention, we make it harder for ourselves because we're only willing to use open source software. So like what a lot of apps will do is just kind of puzzle together proprietary packages, and you know so like and a live streaming app. Yeah. I mean you you could have one live streaming app that feels super slick. It, but they're not it's not even their live streaming software that they're using. Right. They just like they just license something. And honestly, a lot of the industry does stuff like that and or they just use Google Analytics and they use all these Google services. And so it's really just like a Google product, like reskinned. And, but sometimes, you know, that works and but it's not the world that we really want to live in. So, you know, you, I mean, you can literally save years of time by taking those shortcuts and you can build profitable businesses that way, but what are you like? You, you yeah. are just, you know, you're just a Google company. And, and so that, that, that's just not the path that we wanted to take so we have built everything ourselves and um it's hard it's hard when you kind of have these principles and those principles are um in a sense at odds with like the most convenient technology so but the, over time that's changing and i think that open source is really starting to take over but you know not yet so it's, it's a little bit frustrating. you know, cause we will see these competitors like other alternative social networks that do that and yeah. they sort of call themselves alternative and they call themselves, uh, you know, they, they claim to care about these principles, but in practice under the hood, they really don't. So, yeah, but that's okay. You know, you so, got to deal with that.
0: So I want you to talk a little bit about that. I, I think, you know as a general population we just see this notice that pops up and it says you have to accept this otherwise you can't continue to use this app right (laughs) like well i want to keep using facebook so yeah i'll sign it whatever i don't know what i just signed but i will sign it and something Mm -hmm. that stood out to me about your platform is we we're not tracking your conversations and we don't have access to your conversations and we have an open open sourcing so for the listener that says Bill, I don't even know why that matters. Like, why is open sourcing important? Why is you not being able to see my conversations inherently important? Talk a little bit about that and why that truly is important and how that differentiates you from the megas.
1: Yeah. I mean, it ultimately is just, it's a security thing for users, security thing for us. Like, you know, if um, we don't want to have information to even hand over to the government if the government comes to us. So luckily there are ways to do that. You know, if you just use end to end encryption, it's completely impossible for us to even compromise your privacy. So, um, you know, corporations can be really dangerous and they can, they can get away from the founders and they can go in unpredictable directions. And so you don't, you know, regardless of like my beliefs, you know, something could happen to me Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that our company is built in a way that, you know, it's not to say that it could, that thing, that could never be changed, but it's definitely much harder to change if you implement this kind of stuff early on. Yes,
0: absolutely. Now, additionally, I think the uh, idea of tokens and being able to, um, you know, gain a token for your feeding into the community, but that then gives you this inherent benefit of more more opportunity or more viewership. Talk a little bit about how that works um, for you guys and what someone's doing on the platform to gain a token.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just getting engagement on your content, uh, getting people subscribing to you, getting people voting you up, um, and then... Also, we reward people for just you know setting up their uh, crypto wallet and holding tokens. And then we also have this uh, tool called Ad Mining, where you basically stake into Uniswap. And then we, so based on your share of the Uniswap pool, we give you more promotion on the app and you can earn to- more tokens that way. And people can tip you as well. So there's a whole tipping tipping function. And we run contests and you know, we've run contests for like making memes and like we we run all these different kinds of programs for with different ways to earn tokens. And um yeah, it's we're we're about to I mentioned earlier roll out a whole a whole new way. And so we're constantly iterating on that. And yeah, so it's uh crypto is is tricky because it is where we feel things are going, but at the same time, a lot of people are not really there yet in mm. terms of like understanding it or even yeah. having a, having a desire to understand it. So we do have a, a nice system where you don't really have to know anything to start earning. You just sort of start earning and then you can set up the, the actual crypto wallet if you want to. Um, but yeah, I think that over time people are going to going to see the value more and I mean the the whole space is growing drastically like the fact that the econ- like the whole economy is tanking right now so we're kind of seeing this correction but I don't really think that that is telling of I I don't think that's a jab at crypto. You know, all markets that's are getting hammered.
0: True. Yeah. Well, and, you know, a lot of people that are very knowledgeable and educated in that space actually think it's kind of a good thing because it sorts out some of those weak projects that were just there to get the easy money because things were hot, right? And this is going to bring the projects that really have a future to, to the forefront. Right. Now, in 2019, you you go on Joe Rogan's podcast, which has to be a great and you know cool experience. But um, you talk about so many different ideas, and he has such a big presence and following. Talk about how you know getting that exposure can help your brand, and not only your brand, but also you know Minds.com and what you're doing there.
1: Oh yeah, that was that was absolutely epic, um, and. I mean, people just want reality. I mean, they don't want to be fucked around with. They don't... I Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the show. Yeah. You can bleep it if you want. <laughs> no, nope, you're good. Um, but I think that's what Joe proves. I mean, people don't want to deal with BS. They don't want to be pitched to. They don't want like cheesy cheesiness. They just want real real conversation and marketing now is so I mean at, at the end of the day all that, that that was just a conversation with me and Joe like mine's was like I you know talked about it but it wasn't like my main mission of going like yep ultimately what I ultimately my goal is to just have a good conversation and I think it, it was and luckily I got to go back earlier this year and um it if you look at a lot of like guerrilla marketing programs now and like how memes work and how you know, like, even on Twitter, you'll see like huge corporate brands now taking this much more like real uncensored tone. Mm. And, you know, you see like Wendy's and like Burger King, like chirping back and forth at each other and like making fun of each other on Twitter. And yeah. like that is I I love that. I think that that is where I I want the world to go. It's like all all of this synthetic corporate nonsense is just it sucks. I mean, it's one of the things that makes corporate life horrible um is just this like kind of fake smile that that people put on and like w- oh, just overthinking like being worried about um you know, keeping up that like super clean image. Like it's not to say like that you don't have to be, I don't know. It's, it's, it, there, there, there's a balance to strike with it because obviously it, it, it's not just constant. It's, it's not all about just making fun of each other nonstop on Twitter. Like that's not, that can't be, that can't be your whole marketing strategy, yeah. but, but the willingness to do that once in a while and just be, be more playful is you know you're just seeing this this kind of thing take over advertising like advertising is not it's it's all about authentic content mm. and people can sniff out the fakeness so easily now so yeah i think and, and i think joe really like was a breakthrough figure in normalizing just not caring about that kind of thing
0: yeah absolutely so bill any other pivotal moments that you'd really like to highlight in this journey that you've been on so far or anything that really stands out that's been you know helpful in the growth and where you're at now
1: sorry you cut out say that one more time sorry
0: yeah any other pivotal moments you'd like to highlight in your story that have helped you get to where you're at now
1: Um, I, I've been at this for a long time. I mean, I, it's been like a decade. Um, and so it's not about small moments for me. It's, yeah. it's just been, you know, most of my life, most of my working life. And so it's, it's that sustained effort and attention that I think has gotten us to where we are, um, you know, over, over time, you're going to have like, yes, I could name like a handful of other like big events where we saw like huge surges of growth and those happen, you know, maybe like once every six months or something, but that is only happening because of the focused energy. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, it's just about finding the thing that you can tolerate and um, justify and be justify and kind of be inspired by for your for your life. So, you know, don't like it. Yeah, like, crafting a company is is all about that. Unless you kind of want to, you know, unless you're doing a short term, like, exit thing i'm not saying that can't be done everything takes so much longer than you think it's going to take though yeah so you know you might think oh i'll just do this for six months and like have a have a quick turnaround you know go for it but (laughs) the chances of the chances of it actually happening like that are are extremely rare so i i don't it's not really worth the risk to me but Cause the, cause what I'm doing is already like extremely risky. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, Bill, I
0: want to say thanks so much for coming on today and sharing your story and how, you, how you've gone to where you're at and all the amazing things you're doing in your space. Um, so people call to action would be go and check out minds, right? I mean, first and foremost, so where can they first get on. included there?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, you can get it on the app stores. You can go to minds.com, dot com. You can find me at minds.com slash ottman, O T T M A N. And yeah, you know, hit me up. Like I try to be accessible. Um, that's yeah, that's about it. Like would love to have you and any of your listeners on the app. Like I'm, it would be great to follow up. We'll, we'll, we'll get your show up, blasting out on there and, uh, and I'll be curious. I'll be curious to hear from you, like the, to, to kind of test this, this experience we've, we've had where, you know, noticing creators actually getting more reach on minds than like Twitter, for yeah. instance. So I would love, you know, th- that's, that's one of my favorite metrics because, yeah, it's just like you, you can make people, these big networks are so big and people like worship them. But a lot of people struggle really hard to grow. I mean, look, you're a creator. Like, it seems like you've you've had like good success on um, on iTunes. I don't know, like, what other platforms have 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 been um, have been like your your favorites or you feel like have worked the best. But it's um, you know, yeah, because it's very hit or miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think at the end of the day, it kind of comes back to something we talked about earlier. I think it's easiest to go to these big platforms because you know people that are on there. But to your point, it doesn't always mean it's the best for your actual content. There could be a lot of other ways that getting your content is going to be more beneficial.
1: Yeah, it's like, what are your goals? If your goals are to get the word word out about the thing that you're doing, like it's not necessarily about going to those networks. Like maybe like, yeah, be there. You know try it try them all and yeah i mean the 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 benefit of a place like facebook or instagram is that like okay all your friends are there you know and that is a unique thing which has its use case but you know the algorithms are are just getting worse and worse every day and so when it comes to meeting new people getting exposure to new people it's definitely not the case that these apps are going to be working in your best interest. In fact, the opposite, like they, they end up having more of a vested interest in keeping their biggest users happy as opposed to, um, you know, helping, helping up and comers though, you know, I don't want to speak too soon because the the thing is that we don't know, we don't know right. what their, we don't, we don't know what their algorithms are doing and they're never going to show us. So you can't trust them at the end of the day, either way. So <laughs> Even if they do happen to help out a small creator once in a while, you know, that's sort of up in the air.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I even think the surge of TikTok proved that, right? This, I mean, you know, in 2020, a relatively small, you know, app all of a sudden is the preferred place for a lot of people and you see... Man on Instagram, maybe they have ten thousand people. On TikTok, they've been able to grow this, you know, multi hundred thousand million dollar following, and that's just because of the way the platform was designed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think TikTok proves a really important point, even though it's sort of like the, the epitome of a <laughs> like surveillance app. I mean, you know, it's literally right. like a Chinese-backed surveillance nightmare, yeah. but it it is a beautifully designed app. And those people really do know what they're doing, and the fact that they were able to gain the growth, the you know exponential growth that they did is it's actually a good sign for you know anyone out there who is trying to grow one because guess what, it it, it proves that it's not impossible. Like yeah. you can you can beat that. Like they, their growth was so fast. I think you know they came out of nowhere in like a in like the period of like a year. Yeah, Oops. that's exactly right. So, yeah, that, that, I, it, it's, it's, it's a bit of a paradox, their story, because they're, like, worse than big tech in, you know, they're among the worst, but they're, they're the new kid on the block. And the fact that, yeah, the fact that a new player can come that quick, that should give other people hope. It, it does give me hope. I, I think that, you know, similar thing happened with, like, Pokemon Go. Like, Pokemon Go is not that yeah. big, um anymore, but like they got, you know, even in the period of months, you know, they got like hundreds of millions of users. So yeah. So this type like this type of phenomenon is is totally possible. And that's just what is amazing about the internet. Like the fact that a piece of technology can spread at that rate <laughs> is it's very rare that it happens, yes. but you know, it happens. It happens.
0: absolutely well bill thanks again so much everyone go check out uh minds in the app store or minds.com and uh we'll look forward to following up with you soon bill i want to wish you nothing but the best my man and excited to see where you go and can't wait to have this conversation again a couple few years down the road and see uh where everything's grown to
1: yeah let's let's keep the conversation going thanks so much phil